your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. everyone welcome to special presentation with mike and ethan or elf will not be seen tonight well since we had so much fun doing uh fearless fosdick last week we were like well maybe it's about time to crack open the big almond that w- that is dick tracy and see what tasty meats are inside <laughs> and there have been a lot of interesting takes on dick tracy over the years and this is the one that i I was excited for as a kid. I asked my uh, dad to tape it for me because it was on too early before I got back from school. And uh, I said, and on the way home, I asked, uh, so uh, how was Dick Tracy? My dad said he was barely in there. They were mostly just making uh, ethnic stereotypes. (laughs) Wow. I can't believe your dad is woke. (laughs) And, you know, and he's right. (laughs) So it's it's really weird that this was how they approached making a Dick Tracy cartoon. Yeah, this is, uh, I gotta say, this is a not a good Dick Tracy adaptation, but but I want to know, first, before we get into that, I want to know, like, so Ethan, why were you so excited about the Dick Tracy show, which is the name of the show we're talking about today? I don't even remember anymore. It's just like, (laughs) I was so disappointed by the actual execution that it kind of killed my interest in Dick Tracy, the movie, which was a big deal at the time. Now, so, were you a fan of the comic strip, Dick Tracy? No, or we, we never had the comic strip when I was a kid. So you just like heard that this this cartoon from the '60s was now showing again, and we're like, I gotta see this. Well, I didn't know it was from the '60s at the time. Oh, interesting. You thought it was contemporary? This I'm assuming yeah. is late '80s, early '90s, probably. Yeah. Or, hmm, now, if there had been a late '80s, early '90s Dick Tracy, well, I guess that would have been Cops, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's basically the same concept. And uh, but however, so the Dick Tracy show is a sort of what's interesting about it is that it came from a time when cartoons did not have a block in the afternoons. They had a show with a host who was like a clown or something that would introduce them. Now, you may think this is just a Krusty the Clown thing, but no, that was how cartoons used to be consumed in the 50s and 60s. What a terrible time to be alive. God. <laughs> um, no wonder the people who grew up then are ruining everything. Yeah, and that explains why these episodes are so short, because they're only about five minutes each. Yeah, it's a very it's a very short cartoon, and the whole point of them is that your local cartoon host would be like, playing you know the chief of police and he'd say i'm gonna make a call to dick tracy and then we cut to the actual cartoon and it always starts with dick tracy saying okay chief i'll get right on it oh okay um i get it huh well that's an interesting concept um i guess television was you know i i don't i don't care much for the um the idea of a 
you know, a, uh, a clown hosting my cartoons, you know, because <laughs> especially when I was a kid, I'd be like, no, no, I want my I just want the cartoons. I don't want any of this bullshit where like, you know, Mrs. Poole from Hogan's house or whatever or alf or whatever appears needs stitchels and tells me about them oh great cousin larry appleton is going to appear i don't give a shit just show me the goddamn <laughs> cartoons um so i would uh, not yeah, have they liked did that it. on saturday morning all the time didn't they? oh yeah i was not a fan of that because it was like i really don't care i i, I am the it's like I guess they thought like, oh, we can convince children to watch our like primetime sitcoms by introducing them to the characters during their Saturday morning cartoons. It, uh, maybe I wasn't a fan. I I was I was one of the kids who was like, I want only cartoons. I do not want anything that is not animated. As soon as you know we get to the time of day when Pee Wee's Playhouse or um, Hey Dude comes on, I'm like, <laughs> I'm out. I'm not watching this bullshit. Turn it off, you know? Um, Now, I I love Pee-wee, but after Pee-wee came a show called Flip, and that was terrible. I've never even heard of that. What is that? It was like a skateboarding show, I think. And it, like, ran for, like, three episodes, and one of them featured a skateboarder who is now in prison for murdering his girlfriend. Damn. Okay, wait, so was it about real skateboarders? Yeah, it was like a, a... a, skate, a skateboarding show that, uh, you know, it was pretty much, you know, uh, I guess it was a reality show, kind of, but it was just sort of like a couple of hosts introducing clips of skateboarding. Well, this was what, like 19, I'm guessing 88, 89? Okay. Yeah. I feel like that was when skateboarding was kind of like a thing. They were mm-hmm. like, we're bringing surfing back, but with wheels for today's modern go-go kids. Because... Though I don't remember anyone I knew. I mean, this is 89, so like Bart Simpson is like, you know, big with the skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Nobody, I never knew any actual skateboarders, but boy, did I know a lot of people who wore skateboard themed attire. That was mm-hmm. a bigger thing, I think, because if you were a skateboarder, you were normally, normally you were falling down and like failing to do <laughs> tricks. Um, <laughs> but if you just wore the clothes, no one would know. Um, anyway, it was a very different time. And then I think what, when did they, then in the aughts, they came up with those little tiny skateboards that you put your fingers on. You remember those? Oh, the fingerboards. Yeah. I never understood the appeal of those, but you know, no adult ever understood the appeal of the toys I liked. So whatever. Yeah. I only know about those because apparently they appeared in like turning red and my younger friends were like, oh my God, the fingerboards. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I've never heard of this thing because, yeah, were, you know, they were a big thing up in, you know, even up until like, you know, 2006, seven, whatever. I remember seeing them for sale at grocery stores and they came with a little non posable figurine that was basically a thumb with an angry face. And oh, wait, actually, that does sound kind of familiar now that you mentioned yeah. it. I have one. I bought one because I really loved the figure, which was out out of control weird. It's at. Okay, it's a green egg that's partially hatching and it has dozens of eyes and tentacles coming out of the crack. And it's also wearing like a taxi driver hat. And it has tentacles that it can uh, hold the skateboard with. That's interesting because it that does sound like a big throwback to the original days of skateboarding, which also coincided with things like Mad Ball and Mad Balls. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, when it was like, oh, this is gross, gross out your sister type stuff. Um, yeah, I still see stuff like that. I see there's this one skateboard wear brand where the uh, the mascot, I guess, is a dis 
a chopped off hand with a mouth in the palm that's screaming. So. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. He was huge for a while. Um, <laughs> I didn't know he was still around. I'm glad that chopped off hand is still getting work. Yeah, he I'm, he must have a great uh, agent. But. Yeah, <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, the re I was mentioning that I wasn't. I'm not a big fan of that concept, but I guess may maybe that's probably because. You know, but but in at the same time, I think it's, I'm going to say it's because you've only seen it as part of a marketing scheme where you're yes. trying to, you know, here's the here's the cast of of Jim Henson's dinosaurs to introduce Beetlejuice or whatever. Yeah. And but now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of maybe it's kind of adorable in the same way that like a late night horror host is adorable because it's yeah, like they, they seem to be part of the same litter. It's a sort of thing where it used to be, I feel like back in those days you could be some schmuck in like, you know, Topeka, Kansas. You can get on TV and become, you know, a regional celebrity. Whereas nowadays it's like, look, if you're not in New York or Los Angeles, yeah, you're, you're not doing any, you're not going to be anything. You're not even going to be like a, a, a local, there's no local, you know, uh, television type stuff anymore. It's, you can barely get public access these days. So what are you going to do? So yeah, that's kind of a, a, a part of a bygone world that we just don't have anymore. The local children's host who brought us Dick Tracy. Um, yeah. There was now, a brief thing in the early nineties when Fox started doing the Fox kids block at the end on for uh, week, weekday day afternoons. Mm -hmm. They would, they would hire local hosts to introduce the cartoons and I have, there are two of them that stuck with me because they were, in, they were in cities that I, I, I remember I lived in. Uh, one of them was San Diego's uncle Murph hmm. and um, it was sort of weird because it was many weeks between being first introduced to uncle Murph and then actually seeing him. <laughs> <laughs> because he just sort of came on in the middle of the cartoon, like it would. You know, it shows the end credits of Tiny Toon Adventures, and then suddenly, hey, kids, Duckle Murph here. Yeah, we're gonna watch Beetlejuice next week. Oh, Channel Fox Six Rooney. It's like, what? What was that? What happened? Am I having a stroke? So, was Uncle? What did he? Was Uncle Murph? When you say a local host, was he like he locally hosted like cartoons in San Diego, or yes, he was only available on uh, on Fox's uh, XCTV Channel Six. Wow. And, uh, on uh, in San Diego, and here is a picture of Uncle Murph. All right, let's take a sort of resembles like Dom DeLuise as a clown. Yeah, okay, I can sort. Yeah, he's um he he's kind of got he's got that very stereotypical like uh, loud American tourist outfit, Hawaiian yeah. Hawaiian shirt, fanny pack, pith helmet. I think he's even got the little zinc on his nose. You know. <laughs> Oh, is that a clown, clown nose? nose yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. Um, but uh, so who is the other guy then? The other, the other uh, one. The other one, once I moved to uh, Fresno, was uh, was the uh, local host for the for our Fox Kids Club, who was KD Fox. And she was, you know, also kind of clownish, but not in the same way. Uh-huh. Huh. How was she clownish? Uh, let me, I'm trying to find a uh, picture of her. Oh, okay. We got one. Oh, here we go. Okay. 
Because when you first say the name Katie Fox, I was like, this has got to be like a sexy cartoon fox lady, right? Um, Not quite. She's more in the punky Brewster mold. Oh, yeah. Then I thought maybe like Big Bear in the Big Blue Couch type thing. But now looking at her, it's like, no, no, this is a very like, um, yeah, like a, a very late 80s kind of like, uh, I bet she, did she have like a Maria Bamford type voice? I really feel like she kind of voice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Very like um, Cindy Lauper doing the theme song to Pee Wee's Playhouse type energy. Yeah, that that kind of voice. You know her immediately. Yeah. A a very specific kind of uh, kind of uh, kids club character. We didn't have anything like a Burger King kids club with a whole cast. It was just her. And uh, here's a here's a shot of her with some kids and Chip from Chippendale. Wow. Um, So she. Ah, wow. So she, uh, she knew all, she knew all the big names. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised she wasn't in their movie, but, uh, so yeah, that was, that was kind of a thing. And then around 93 or 94, KD Fox got retired and I feel like it might've been a little bit forcible because after, because she disappeared and then she was just sort of replaced by this, you know, calm woman who seemed to just be like somebody from the mail room huh <laughs> yeah she was just she was just you know next you know next up is uh next up is batman the animated series and after that it's going to be beetlejuice some some so, some uh parents probably complained that katie fox is overstimulating the kids yes you know our, ch- our children are just too aroused by this katie fox character <laughs> <laughs> we need to bore them back into normalcy um yeah Man, um, so it sounds like uh, kids hosts were actually still a thing fairly late, even after yes. 1951, which is when the Dick Tracy cartoon uh, that we are ostensibly talking about today yeah, came out. Got a little distracted by uh, kids show hosts. Oh, well, that's fine. Because... The, the best mm-hmm. one of all, of course, was in Los Angeles. They had King Koopa's Cool Cartoons. I mean, was he an official licensed Nintendo Thing? I'm not sure, but they were showing reruns from the uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show. But there was a, but they had a live audience of kids dressed up in uh, in little turtle costumes, and King Koopa came out in the same costume that they had made for Mr. Belvedere back at the back when they did the uh, live ice show. This time, wearing a mask and uh, int- and introduced the cartoons and. He was played by Christopher Collins, aka Chris Latta, aka Starscream. So whoa, yeah. Okay, you you mean the the as we've discussed the famously unstable Starscream? Yes, the very um, unstable bet, actor who played Starscream. I bet um, that was a treat, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, you know what? That I I would have gone nuts for that as a kid. <laughs> I I feel like. That was a thing kind of in the, again, late 80s, early 90s, that era when like television hadn't really figured out that like kids liked video games. So whenever you saw like an acknowledgement that video games existed, you would just like lose your mind. Yes. At least I, you know what I mean? Like when you saw that the pat, my like, kids went to see the wizard, you know, they didn't yeah. care about the story. They wanted to see video games on the screen. It is like, as 
Uh, it's weird to think because nowadays, of course, we've perfected the art of like advertising to the point where it's like, look, people want to know things that they already know. So show them things that they are familiar with. But back yeah. in those days, they hadn't figured that out yet. So they weren't they didn't get that like kids play video games. So they want to see video games on TV. So, mm -hmm. you know, when they made like the Pac-Man show, it was like, oh, my God, I know Pac-Man. That's a I play Pac-Man. You know, it was almost like when. Oh, sorry. When when I um, never missed an episode of Game Pro, and I don't. Yeah. Think, and that was that was a very difficult thing to even catch an episode of. It was that it was on like you know six in the morning on Sundays or something. I mean, I really think it shows how little uh, adults of the time understood this phenomenon. Like from that story that Buzz Dixon told us, where it was like, oh, when they wanted to make the the Cubert show, and uh, the studio head was like, make it like Happy Days. Like what? <laughs> they had a, you know, they had an idea that actually tied into the video game, and they were just like, "Nope, it's Happy Days." Just slap yeah. these characters in the Happy Days roles. Ugh. What a terrible idea! <laughs> that is terrible. such a tragedy. You know, we it really is. Such a, we could have had such a good. Well, I don't know about good because it would have still been like a Ruby Spears thing, but you know, it's entire. We could have had the elements of a good Cubert show. I mean, the way Buzz described it, his idea was it was at least in keeping with the spirit of the game. And yeah, he wanted I think, to make, you know, an MC Escher version of the Roadrunner. I was like, yeah, I, mean, I can get behind that. Yeah, like that sounds like it could have been pretty cool. Um, again, like you said, it's hard to know how the execution would have gone because Ruby Spears. But at least you're, it's a better starting point than, yeah, Happy Days. Happy anyway. Days. Um, anyway, we're we're kind of avoiding talking about Dick Tracy because the show avoids Dick Tracy so much. Yeah. Well, before we talk about the actual show, let's let's just have we we've never discussed the comic strip Dick Tracy. No. So let's Dick just Tracy is I guess would you call it a police procedural? Yeah, that's the closest. That's yeah. That's that's kind of the best way to describe it. It's a police procedural comic strip it's a serious yeah. comic strip um not really like apartment 3g or mary worth it's more in the spirit of like the spider-man comic strip i think yeah because i would say so it's you know especially because you know apartment 3g and mary worth you know the characters are so indistinct that you never know if you're if you're still reading apartment 3g or if the plot has passed over to mary worth and they just yes. didn't say yeah but at the very dick least tracy doesn't have that problem no no dick tracy is um yeah is definitely more distinctive um now i don't know did you read dick tracy growing up the comic strip it sounds like no it's it, never no. been in any paper when i was growing up i didn't know it was still running it was in my paper growing up. We used to have it in the Stars and Stripes European edition. So I did read Dick Tracy growing up. Um, I, I didn't really care for it. It was basically like, like I think what you'd call a, uh, a serial piece comic strip. Yeah. Uh, it's like it was there and I just read it out of obligation. Um, mm. the, the main thing that I remember about Dick Tracy is I think I explained uh, last time when you talk about Fearless Fosdick was that the artist was incredibly lazy and would just stretch out, stretch things out for weeks. Like I remember distinctly, there was one uh, where for whatever reason, Dick Tracy was on a submarine and uh, he <laughs> saw some sharks and it was literally like a week of him pointing at like fins in the water and saying sharks. 
and they just showed it from different angles every day. So I, I guess it's not that the artist was lazy because like he redrew the, the picture. Lazy, yeah. The writer was lazy. It's just like, I, I feel like the writer was like, yeah, I'll get around to writing something. And the artist was like, ah, shit, I got to fill the space and just kept drawing, you know, sharks, um, sharks, sharks, sharks everywhere. Um, the other thing about Dick Tracy is I do remember it being incredibly violent, you know? Yeah. Dick um, Tracy is, has is very violent and they although there are an awful lot of well-known characters from Dick Tracy most of them have undergone incredibly gruesome deaths yeah uh, that was the thing about it was it was surprising to see them get away with put with that sort of violence in a newspaper comic strip you know yeah um, i feel like it was kind of the same situation as um uh, a, a lot of legacy strips had, and we should probably come up with a name for this phenomenon because it keeps happening, where, like, nobody's paying attention, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> the editors don't care, the readers don't care, nobody's minding the store, so the 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 artist and writer just go completely off the deep end. Um, yeah, this is, this is what we love, this is what has led to the version of Heathcliff that we love the best. Yeah, it's like I guess we should call we should call it like the Heathcliff um yeah, it phenomenon. Fell off the Heathcliff. Yeah, it fell off the Heathcliff. It was it's been Heathcliffized or something because um and, fully Heathcliffified. Yeah. Like I remember a lot of kind of legacy comic strips kind of did this. Um like Mary Worth kind of went bonkers and nobody noticed until the comics curmudgeon started reading it. Um, yeah, Mary Worth I mean, I think the most legendary strip in Mary Worth now is the one where she's being stalked by a guy who looks exactly like Captain Kangaroo. Oh, yeah. Aldo Kelrest, I believe. Aldo Kelrest. <laughs> That's right. Doesn't he just, like, like get drunk and drive his car off a cliff at the end? Yes, he does. <laughs> it's insane. Um, man, uh, I remember that. because I, mean, I, I look exactly like Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> I remember like reading the comics curmudgeon like every day to get updates on the Aldo Calrest <laughs> saga. Cause wow, that was, that was a trip. Um, and I think like, there's been a few strips that are kind of like that. Um, I think Mary Worth kind of did that to some, to some degree when, um, you know, they, they got like a, a, a hipper, uh, artist for it. Mm. Um, uh, I, I forget who the, the artist is now, but he kind of revitalized Mary Worth, and I think he got away with it because no one was paying attention. Um, yeah. Not Mary Worth, sorry. Sally Forth. Forth. Sally Forth is what I Sally meant to say. Oh, yes. Sally Forth uh, was both of the uh, both of the creators retired. Oh, no, no. Just the writer retired. And the new writer was is somebody who also does a comic strip called Medium Large that he draws that's, by himself. That's Medium right. Medium Large is... Medium large is a very good comic, but he he doesn't really draw like like Sally the Sally Forth person. So so he took over, and Sally Forth got much more interesting. Partly because, well, I mean, the, one of the first things that grabbed everyone's attention was that suddenly uh, Ted Forth was basically uh, basically turned into uh, uh, the guy from Dinosaur Dracula. <laughs> he became obsessed with the 80s and bringing up weird minor stuff like rocks and bugs and things so immediately we were all like uh, hello now you're talking my language i mean it's like smart it's like oh you gave you gave ted ted forth a personality good um 
So just to just so that our listeners, uh, I just looked it up. It's uh, Francesco Marsiliani Ano. I, I am butchering yeah, his name French- terribly, but just yeah, in he's... case, just just so that we can't be accused of like not giving credit to the right guy. Yes, <laughs> that's. Um, but yeah, he really I think revitalized Sally Forth and made it into a comic strip worth reading. Um, yeah. It was kind of a serial piece comic. I think it's now, kind of, uh, last I checked, kind of. A, I'd say it's a marshmallow comic. It's yeah, definitely, definitely pretty funny. marshmallow. Um, let's see. Anyway, but back to uh, Dick Tracy, uh, because yeah, I feel like no one was paying attention, and that's why it was allowed to become just insanely violent. Um, I, I mean, when I was reading it as a fourth grader, I remember like, I guess they also they couldn't show Dick Tracy killing people because no. you know they couldn't get away with that so instead all his his foes would just have incredibly bad luck like they would you know they'd like slip on banana peels and fall into wood chippers and things <laughs> like, yes like i mean yeah, was... if you know dick tracy you'll probably know the character flat top who is almost like the dick tracy version of the joker mm-hmm. and the original flat top escape while trying to escape the police was caught on a rusty nail and drowned. Oh my god. Yeah. So what the new flat top isn't the original flat top? Son yeah, of flat now top. Now there's now it's flat top junior. Wow. Does, good good thing he has the same haircut or else no one would do. Yeah. Oh, also anyway. flat top's ghost possessed his brother sharp top. Sharp top, huh? <laughs> All right. So what what is he does he have a pointy head? Up uh, slightly. Well, you know, so that does bring up another thing about Dick Tracy, which is very important, and that is um, the Rogues Gallery. Yes. Because um, which is the most memorable part of Dick Tracy, and probably the most ripped off. Yeah, I think that that is the primary reason why Dick Tracy uh, was popular and continues to at least be remembered to this day, is because he had a bunch of wacky bad guys to fight. Um, and um it's kind of you know it, it i feel like in some ways it's kind of very similar to batman you know yeah like, i would say that batman is the perfect version of dick tracy because mm. the you have the same kind of you know bizarre villains almost none of whom have any kind of special powers or anything but yeah. then instead of the you know plain jane boring ass dick tracy you have batman yeah yeah um batman who is batman's got a lot more pizzazz because yeah dick tracy as a character is yeah he he's he's i mean how would we describe personality he's he's a cop cop. i guess he uh, he he fights bad guys i mean i don't i mean he's just yeah batman at least like why does he fight bad guys oh because of childhood trauma why does dick tracy i guess it's his job that's about it (laughs) You know, um, he must have some. Yeah, he must have some kind of storyline, but no one has ever really wanted to get into it that much, as far as I can tell. Nobody wants to. I well, there probably has been there probably been multiple attempts to give him a uh, background story where you know he's like you know from now on I'm going to fight crime everywhere. Yes, father, I shall become a dick. <laughs> Not a private dick though. He's a public dick. Yes. <laughs> but um it's just like that's that's the new um uh, uh family man public dick um <laughs> but uh yeah so yeah no i think you're right batman is is the uh the platonic ideal of dick tracy 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're very similar, and they their main I think um, the main thing that makes both of them uh, resonate with people is that they have a bunch of freaks to whack on, and yes. everyone loves that. Like that is an interesting thing because like no other no other like superheroes really do that. Other than yeah. Batman? Name a, name a Superman villain besides Lex Luthor. I mean, there's, yeah, there's Lex Luthor. And, I mean, there's Bizarro, right? Yeah. Um, right. But if you're, but but if you reach for the evil clone second, then, you know, that means that there's just not, not enough. I mean, I can't really think of that many besides, yeah, there's I, Toy Man, I guess. I guess a lot yeah. of people like Zod. I guess I feel like there's, yeah, I feel like there's very, there's something very special about Batman villains. Cause you can just, I don't know if you're living in Gotham, it just be like, Oh, um, you know, th- th- I saw the Joker today on the street or something, you know, <laughs> but I feel yeah. like you wouldn't Metropolis. You wouldn't be all like, Oh, I saw Bizarro today. You it just, it's <laughs> different, you know? Um, yeah. Um, but what are you going to do? Um, so I feel uh, oh, sorry, but Dick Tracy. Dick um, Tracy. So actually, you know what? Um, this car. So this cartoon uh, mm-hmm. is attempting to uh, ad- adapt. We're adap- adapting Dick Tracy to the animated format, and this fucking sucks. Yeah. Now, what I, I can't say they didn't try because they did attempt to thread the needle. They were like, okay, Dick Tracy himself is fucking boring, but his, but his rogues gallery is great. So let's do a cartoon where Dick Tracy is there, but he gets someone else to fight the rogues gallery. I'm like, oh, okay, I can get that. So you're going to give, come up with some, uh, are you going to come up with some heroes that are as colorful as the villains? Like, nah, just uh, racial stereotypes. Yeah, that, is te- you know what it is? It's like that is, oh god! This cartoon, first of all, is objectively bad, yeah. <laughs> for for a lot of reasons, including racist stereotypes, which we'll get into. Yes. But also, it's a very bad adaptation of Dick Tracy, right? Um, yes. I feel like it kind of they vaguely understood. Yeah, the, the Rogues Gallery is an interesting thing, but they really didn't get what what made dick tracy what what made the the concept of of dick tracy interesting um and i think part of it is i mean okay okay because touching again on batman right right i think because because basically what batman is batman is basically taking uh introduce taking the superhero genre and making it very very gothic and that's that's basically what dick tracy does to the, the police procedural you're basically making a gothic proce- police procedural because it's yeah. like it's a it's a spooky city everything's dark and you have a bunch of grotesque freaks running around that's basically gothic yeah you know if you just add, if if the only thing you need more is if dick Tra- tracy's fucking his sister you know that, that <laughs> other than that's it you basically got like gothic right there so uh but this cartoon is made in 1951 and i don't think people at on that time period were ready for an a, a, a an actual good Dick Tracy adaptation because you know that's when every cartoon it looks like fucking Gerald McBoing Boing shit or whatever you know 
Uh, yeah, and 19, if you wanted, this was from 1961. Oh, the, 61. Sorry, Carlos Fosdick was from 1951. Oh, but yeah, sorry. You're, so you're right. It's a. It's yeah. They just weren't ready. No. Now, if they had done a Dick Tracy show that followed up on Batman the Animated Series, we would have had a much better Dick Tracy show. Yes. Yes. That would have been the perfect way to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, like Batman the Animated Series, which you know was still had a lot of humor and was very goofy, but was also incredibly dark for a children's cartoon cartoon especially in that era i mean i remember yeah, seeing it a lot yeah. of things where you are like wow that you know they had to sort of work around doing things the way you know that you're forbidden to do on children's shows but that meant that they ended up making things a lot worse a lot of the time yeah <laughs> like okay there's a there's a batman episode where he's fighting ninjas okay we can get the, we can get behind that Batman t corners a couple of ninjas and and he's like, okay, now talk. And they sort of look at each other, nod and say, in the shadows, live forever. And they squeeze these gas balloons on their necks and it says that their mind, and we get word from the uh, hospital next that their minds have been erased. <laughs> that's so much worse than if they just killed themselves. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> man um yeah well that's what ha that's what contents and standards does you know yeah. you have to discover all whole new ways to create horror so you know are we bet is the horror industry better off for standards and practices i mean i do remember there was an episode where like batman for whatever reason was like he was like i think it was actually the future batman you know when when it's oh, like batman beyond yeah that's the one where for whatever reason they had the they found i think the kid, there was some drug. It was a, it was an anti-drug episode mm, and they yeah. found like, they found old Bane who was basically like catatonic because he had used too much of the drug and was mm. just like, you know, like, yeah. And like now like rotting in a hospital bed. And it's like, this is really fucked up for a kid's cartoon. It'd be yeah. better just to have him be dead. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there are lots of, maybe they're catatonic people who are saying, Hey, that, don't, our yeah, lives don't kill are, me <laughs> yeah our lives are, are worth something just because we're catatonic but it is still very very horrifying you know uh to I see know what your favorite batman beyond episode is which one uh the one with uh uh, uh the one with the where kids are taking part in the hot new fad which is to uh splice your dna with animals oh i hadn't heard about that one but that sounds awesome yeah oh, i wish that was me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were a bunch of episodes that were like, like, I remember, wasn't there an episode of Batman where like some evil school teacher lived in the sewers and kidnapped children and basically made them into his like slave gang? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And that was the one where they uh, promoted it with a kid, a woman getting her purse snatched and telling the police, I'm telling you, it was a leprechaun. <laughs> Which yeah. really undersells the creepiness of the episode. Yeah, definitely like uh, mislead it a little, uh, bearing the lead there, you know. Um, they, uh, there's another one where Batman loses his memory and he gets like kidnapped in the desert by some like some big fat guy who just like yeah, kidnaps he puts like him on a chain gang. Yeah, it's like just 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 kidnapping unemployed people. <laughs> Man, um, anyway, oh, the one with uh, the one with. The little girl who has an imaginary friend, but it's actually her dad wearing an invisibility suit that's slowly killing him. Oh my God. I mean, they, 
they did a. I gotta say that in Batman the Animated Series and some of its uh, decedents, um, they really did a lot considering the limitations of '90s, uh, you know, um, network television. So good on them. Yeah. Um, and if we'd had uh, Dick Tracy at the same time, we probably would have had a you know pretty interesting yeah. cartoon. They might have even like given Dick Tracy some uh, some you know personality as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, now. I, I like to call things like that the harvest, mm-hmm. where where you've decided to like, okay, no more fucking around. We're going to take the entire history of this thing that's been around forever, and we're going to distill it down and give you all the best parts. <laughs> and that's that's how you get things like the recent DuckTales remake mm-hmm. and, uh, and Transformers Animated and a whole bunch of other things like that. And uh, Batman the Animated Series was one of the first ones that I really, you know, I was already familiar with Batman, but this was his finest expression so far. Yes. Whereas yes. this is the worst expression of Dick Tracy. Yeah. So as we said, it's kind of this, um, it's this very, because, uh, yeah, they basically were like, how do we make Dick Tracy to a cartoon? And I feel like at the time they were like, well, cartoons are silly and funny for little babies and they involve like animals chasing each other. So what if we just made Dick Tracy like that? So it's a bunch of wacky characters chasing each other around like Tom and Jerry. And it's like, that is not what Dick Tracy is. Um, And uh, should we talk about the actual characters, the wacky characters they brought in to chase the, uh, the rogues around? (laughs) Okay, yeah. So the very first episode, Red Hot Riding Hoods, introduces... uh, What the fuck was this character's name? The the dog? Oh, Hemlock Holmes. Hemlock Holmes, yeah. Which, uh, first of all, is, like, way worse. I I mean, technically, it makes more sense as a name. Like, like, uh, okay, because Sherlock Holmes, you just replace Sherlock with Hemlock. But it does not... But I think... But the Muppet... Hem- Sherlock, Sherlock Hemlock. Hemlock. Yes. Sounds way better. You know, yes. I don't know why he's a lot funnier, you know, well, yeah, that's likeable. true. <laughs> he's a better character. Cause this care, this. Okay. So basically Hemlock Holmes is like a bulldog who wears a Bobby hat. And, and he has a whole crew of cops with no personality that uh, tag along with him or more like he tags along with them because they're always leaving without him. And he's always yelling, stop, wait for me. Blah, blah, blah. That's that's his catchphrase is wait for me. So, yeah, they, they apparently are called the retouchables, like the untouchables, except it's like, what? <laughs> except it's uh, like, because... I don't because of photo retouching, you know, I don't know. Now it suggests a very unfortunate pun. Yeah. I feel like they did not think that one through when they named them the retouchables. It's like, okay, they're basically the Keystone cops, you know? Um, and, uh, so, but Hemlock Holmes, first of all, uh, okay. He's a bulldog, right? Yes. And I, you don't see him do any dog thing. No, he's like he's a furry that lives in this world of of yes. Dick Tracy, and he's the only one. Um, and he is, oh my god. Okay, so I think, I think they're trying to do a British accent, yes. but it's so bad. It's, it's it's supposed to be Cary Grant's voice, but with a British accent. Oh, it's terrible! It's terrible. It's awful. Like I listened to this, and I was like, I figured, okay, I assumed. 
okay, uh, Bobby, you know, British. Then the bull, the British bulldog, you know, is kind of a the symbol of Britain, right? Right. So, all, knowing those two facts, I assumed that was supposed to be a British accent, but it, it barely, barely qualifies as Australian. You know, <laughs> it 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 sounds like someone doing a, a terrible attempt at an Australian accent, and it's just, it, it's terrible. It's so bad, and. Um, I hate this guy. I hate this dog. <laughs> he's, uh, he's honestly the worst, which is weird because he's not one of the uh, racist ones. Not no, really. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine a British person being like, "That's not funny at all." Yeah, I mean, it, you're allowed to make fun of British people. Still, that's that's <laughs> that's right and proper to do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just he's he's just not. It's just not funny, and and the whole time you're like, what a terrible, just a terrible attempt at a, a voice. In fact, uh, the voice acting in in this Dick Tracy cartoon is pretty dire. Um, I don't know. It's like this. I feel like this is the only time in the 1950s when they did not get, you know, they they didn't get Mel Blanc. Oh shit, yeah. they did. They did yeah, get Mel there. Blanc. Yeah. Uh, he must have not. He was not putting in his uh, his all for this, if that's yeah. true. Because you know, I'm not, sorry, this is not like this is not like Heathcliff. No, no. Um, I mean, you got Mel Blanc, you got Paul Freese, you got like yeah. some, you know, some decent voice actors, but they are all slumming it because you know, like all the voices are just, eh. Um, you know, even even characters that should have really easy voice like flat top in this is is a peter lore impression yes you know and it's not like what I, who I would have thought of for flat top honestly not really but you know i'm like okay i get it he kind of slightly looks like peter lore um even though if he's like dick tracy's main character main villain i wouldn't think of him as a peter lore type but it's like come on peter lore is is like I feel like if you're doing cartoon voices, that's like one of the first ones you learn, you know, that's yeah. like a, that's like, you know, that's the, the, the very, that's like, if you're the man of a thousand voices, it's like, oh, what's voice number one, Peter Lorre. Yeah. What's voice number two? That's Popeye. You know, that's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a very basic voice to do. And yeah. he, he just does not sound like Peter Lorre. It was like, I was literally like, okay, I guess this is Peter Lorre because it's a cartoon character. So he's probably supposed to sound like that. But yeah. Um, and uh, 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 anyway, um, but Hemlock Holmes, again, awful, awful. Um, but the only character you could probably still have if you wanted to air this show nowadays because he's the only one that's not a racist there. Yeah. I sort of only the only one there's some i have some questions about one of these other guys okay <laughs> you know let's talk yeah let's talk about hippo calorie yeah okay i have some problems with this guy <laughs> i have some major problems with hippo calorie here yeah um first of all this is a cartoon from what, 1961 yep now if you told me there's a character named hippo calorie in a cartoon from 1961, I'd yeah. be, I would be first of all, very confused. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> okay. Okay. His, he's got an O in his name, like, Oh, yeah. you know, so clearly no. he's gotta be an Irishman. Right. 
Mm-hmm. But it's, but they don't really play it up. They don't. Um, but here's the other thing. His first name is Heap, right? Heap. <laughs> Heap. So uh, so I'm like, okay, um, 1961, character has the word Heap in it. This has to be a Native American character. Because mm. for I don't know why, but for whatever reason, that was a thing. When you had Native Americans on television in the 60s, they say Heap all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you know that what was I'm... their stand, you know, standard thing was, you know, you know, lottery, uh, the, the power balls at, uh, 240 million. That's heap big. Yeah, exactly. It was just like a thing. Um, that perhaps so a I... joke on, ah, they don't count. Maybe. Is that what, is that where that comes from? That maybe that is, I don't know. I, I suppose we could probably look up. Why do, why do native American stereotypes in the sixties say heap all the time? Um, and why do uh, they count summers instead of years? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I am going to look up, uh, as a, as a service to our listeners, instead of just being like, I guess we'll never know. I am yeah. going to look up. Why do they say heap? Yes. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, and while um, you're doing that, I will explain that hippo calorie does not have an Irish accent. Instead, he is supposed to sound like Andy Devine, who, our listeners will probably know best as the voice of Friar Tuck from Disney's Robin Hood. He has this really whiny voice that sounds like he needs to be oiled. Oh, okay. Well, that does make sense because I, when I heard him, I was like, he sounds like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Which, so that kind, so I get that, but also, why? <laughs> why does he sound like Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> why does he sound like Andy Devine? Why Why did you take a character who's clearly supposed to be an Irishman and instead of having him, instead of doing, come on, you know, you know what you wanted to do, 1961 yeah. uh, Dick Tracy show, you you wanted to be like, oh, Faith and Megara, oh, get the criminals, oh, I'll give you a wee nip of me shillelagh, oh, you know, <laughs> you know. But, I, I imagine it might be because Chester Gould was Irish. Oh, is that? Oh, maybe, maybe Chester Gould. <laughs> it was like they were like we were like we want to do an Irish stereotype, and Chester Gould busted into that room drunk as a skunk, as is the way of his people, <laughs> waving around his shillelagh and screaming like, "Whoa! You won't be doing that! Whoa!" I gotta take a wee nip of the creature. Oh, 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 I've got. Oh no, I've got tuberculosis. Oh, the Irish. We have fun here on a on, on a, a special presentation, or Alf will not be seen tonight. Um, but you know, there's in real life, there's nothing funny about anti-Irish discrimination. Um, yeah. uh, but anyway, sorry. Just just to do a quick back to the heap thing. It appears that this may may or may not be the truth, but it seems like it may be a mistranslation of the Lakota word tanka, meaning big. Hmm. Uh, so who knows? Uh, that may be the case according to the street, door me- street dope message boards, and it's good enough for me. So there you go. That's why that's why Man, they say the, heap. The straight dope has been around forever, and uh, you know if you don't have an answer, the straight dope probably answered it in 1981. Yeah, there you, you know, it's one of, it's, uh, it's been around a long time from the been morning of the internet to today. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, but back to hippo calorie, um, I, I feel weird saying it's like 
this character could be more stereotypical. He could be more <laughs> of a slur. You know, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go go all the way, I mean, you didn't commit to the bit. I yeah. mean, you don't really you you made him Irish and you didn't do Irish jokes about him. You made him fat and you barely do fat jokes. I was like, yeah, oh, what was what did you want from Hippo Calorie? He is he's just like, an incompetent cop. He's yeah, exactly. I when I first saw him, I was like, what? Because first of all, yeah, he's not particularly fat. He's just. He's a big guy, you know. Yeah. He's he look. I'm saying he's a he's normal fat. He's not cartoon character fat. And if you want to make a cartoon character fat, you got to make him way fatter than this. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, oh, I guess he's fat if you compare him to the other three cops. Yeah, but I mean, sure. I mean, yeah, I'll give him that. But I mean, I want like a like a gigantic oaf. Is yes. what I want here. He also does not have Dundreary's, which is a <laughs> huge oversight if you're going to do any sort of Irish cop. Um, he doesn't have like a like a throbbing red nose. Um, no. He uh, he doesn't his, wave his around the Billy Club. Gapping. Yeah, there's so much missed opportunities here, um, and they. I mean, I feel like they did. They make a lot of. I feel like I watched this show occasionally as a kid when it was on, you know, and I never saw Hippo Calorie. I saw lots of the other three, but Hippo Calorie was new uh, to, to, to me here. So I feel like they mm -hmm. were like, look, he's, he's just not working as much as these, as these other slurs. So yeah. Do you think that somebody was, somebody was like, uh, you know, we better, we better take this guy off the air or the Irish are going to complain. You know, the, the Mexicans and Japanese that don't count, but, well, I mean, I, that probably, because I feel like by the 1960s, because the history of America is the history of ver never learning that racism is bad, but very slowly learning that it's bad to make fun of certain races as they gain political clout, you know? Mm -hmm. So so by the 60s, I assume that Mexicans and Japanese were still fair game, but maybe the Irish who were being accepted into you know, the white fold were, were no longer quite as yeah. uh, kosher to, to make fun of. Um, because like, I remember, you know, as a kid in the nineties, it had gotten to the point where like, yeah, making fun of Japanese and Mexicans is like not good, but yes. you know, what is totally funny? The Indians as in yeah. from India, like, Oh, Boy, people love, love that. Yeah, yeah. People love making, people loved making fun of Indians and saying that they were all seven uh, 11 clerks People love yep. making fun of Italian women and saying they all had beards. Yep, yep. Uh, those were those were still though. You know, uh, today it's it's um, uh, is it's still acceptable to make fun of the Italians? You know, because look, look, fuck Italy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I can say it. Some of my best friends are Italian. They said yeah. that I'm an honorary Italian and I'm allowed to use anti-Italian slurs. <laughs> I didn't know fuck Italy was an Italian anti-Italian slur, but well, I guess it kind of must be by default. Um, I'm trying to remember what, what, you know, well, what do you expect from those, those greasy spaghetti eaters? Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I'm, Here's a game. What would, uh, what would Dick Tracy's Italian deputy be like? Oh, well, he'd be a sh he'd basically be Chef Boyardee, except, you know, swarthier. And, you know, yeah. he'd be he'd, a swarthy uh, Chef Boyardee who couldn't resist pasta, but yeah. also like used it all the time as like a like a rope. 
Yeah, um, exactly. Um, and his probably his name would be like uh, Mamma Mia Morello or something. Yeah, there you, you know? go. Yeah, and at the end of uh, and and he would like lasso like you know bad guys. He'd be like, I catch you and just like a mama tells it to do. He would talk about his mom a lot, you know. Yeah. And uh, oh, you know what? He probably at the end of the ep- episode, like his mom would probably show up and like you know to to like oh, here's what he would do. Like as the villains are getting away, he would use his, his wristwatch and be like, I call a mom, a mama, and she would show up and like you know stop my mom will shoot. And and his little <laughs> Italian lady would actually be the one to catch them. And then you know he would deliver wisdom to the camera at the end, like hey, it's like a mama say, you know, crime and no pay or something okay this is great we should make a new dick tracy show yeah that that was you know easily on par if not better than all the other characters actually yeah i think that is way better man so anyway chester gold if you're listening (laughs) give us give us a call the grave (laughs) from beyond the grave just like the ghost of dick tracy's what was it brother which was um flat top's brother yeah flat top's brother yes <laughs> flat top who possessed <laughs> his brother and turned him into a criminal <laughs> yes um now uh god uh uh well you know what actually speaking of that isn't because we're talking about like dick tracy being like a gothic police procedural that basically flat tops ghost possessing his brother and turning him into criminal is literally the plot of like every dr mabuza movie from like 1920s <laughs> german expressionism so wow. that really is incredibly gothic um anyway so do you think dick tracy is more gothic than it is noir or is there too much crossover between the two I mean, I think that there's definitely some cross pollination, but I would argue that Dick Tracy is definitely more gothic than noir. I think okay. it's because um, Dick Tracy doesn't do a lot. I don't think he does a lot of detective work, honestly. Like, no. he just kind of like uses. He just kind of well, at least if if the cartoon is any indication, he just gets a call of the chief saying like, "Yes, two villains are doing a crime. Pass it along." <laughs> you know. It's a good thing. It's a good thing these master criminals are. First of all, their crimes are incredibly like pretty much penny ante, you know. Because yeah. um, I think in this, what what crimes have they committed? There's one who they steal a race car. Yeah, they steal for, a race. Yeah, they steal a race car and then win the actual race that the that the car was supposed to be in. Was that the crime they were trying to commit? Like, why did they steal the car? Uh, they're just, I guess they were just going to sell it, but they got uh, railroaded back onto the actual race uh, as it was going on. And then somehow they won anyway. That must be one humdinger of a car. Yeah. The pizza, the pizza surprise or the pizza yeah. special. I don't get it, actually. I'm not really sure why they called it that. There was no joke about that or anything. No. Maybe if, maybe if Mama Mia Morella was like chasing him down, it would have made sense. But that was not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, it's a me, a mama me and Morello. Oh, do 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 uh, I feel like that guy was probably invented for the show because uh, no, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't. 
He was actually, yeah, he's actually from the comic strip. No, the one who was created for the show was Cheater Gunsmoke. Mm. Oh, the guy with the cloud of uh, yeah, he has a smoke. Yeah, he has a cloud of smoke for a face with a cigar poking out. You know, there's a convenient character to animate. You know, the rest yeah. of them, the rest of them are basically simplified versions of the way Chester Gould would draw them. You know, the uh, Mumble still has his uh, his blonde flat top. Itchy still has his big gross lips and yep. and pruned face is still pruned faced. Yeah. Oh, one second. Yes. Okay. Okay. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah. And, uh, but well, others I'm not, I'm not really sure of. I don't think I'd ever seen sketch Perry in the mole before. I was, uh, I've seen the mole, but I've never seen sketch Perry. And I was kind of disappointed in him because his shtick is just that he has a French accent, Yeah. you know? And I was like, well, his name is Sketch. Should he not be like artist themed yeah. in some way? Like Splatter Sketch Phoenix? Not to be con- <laughs> Sketch Paris, not to be confused with Sketch McLoudmouth. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, the whole episode, I was just thinking like it'd be a lot funnier if his name was Gay Paris. And his, yeah. his gimmick was that he's just gay. He's just yes. a gay guy. He's like, he's like, I'm a, he's like, he's, uh, he's like, you know, he's like, be gay, do crimes, you know? Okay. Who's uh, Dick Tracy's gay deputy? Oh, uh, you mean, uh, isn't it B.O. Plenty? B.O. Plenty? <laughs> is that a real character? That is a real character in the series of comic strip. He's a guy oh. who, um, he's a bear, I guess you could say, because he's a big hairy dude who um, smells bad. I guess that's why they call him B.O. Plenty. Oh, huh. Um, oh, and he, uh, and, and he married Breathless Mahoney. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I guess that kind of throws my theory about him being the gay character, or at least he uh, brought well, her in. Maybe something. she. Well, she could be a beard. He although he does have a a beard. He has of quite a, a beard. He's quite <laughs> a beard of his own. Anyway, I think it's very important to say that like gay characters can also like be have terrible uh, hygiene. You know, because um, gonna, gonna say your first thought about gay characters. Oh, he stinks. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, I'm just saying is like, you know, he's, he's breaking down stereotypes because, you know, it's a stereotype <laughs> that gay guys are very clean and like really take care of themselves. No, no. B.O. Plenty is like, I'm, I'm throwing that. I'm going to bust that down. I'm going to show that gay people can be just as disgusting <laughs> as straight people. So good on him for that. that the, if there's one thing that the Drake Tracy show is known for. It's busting down stereotypes. Oh, that's right. Um, Actually, you know, that does rhyme me because I I don't recall if, if there's one thing to be said on the Dick Tracy comic strip that it, I guess is good is even though he has, you know, a rogues gallery of absolute like grotesqueries, I don't think there are any racial stereotypes among them, at least not that I can think no. of. No, surprisingly, actually, they're, you know, they're all, well, they're mostly, you know, white guys with a weird deformity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is still, I guess, very problematic. Like, I think it's probably, like, very able to say that, like, yeah, if you've, if you've got a fucked up face, you're probably a career criminal, you know? It's very much, like, a lot of phrenology going on, but, um, you One know. One thing that's nice is that uh, often, once the villains have appeared enough times and they haven't uh, been bumped off, they tend to become good guys. Like, oh. uh, the one that everyone remembers from the Dick Tracy movie, Little Face, He's a good guy now. 
<laughs> I can't believe he's he's his thing is that he has a very little face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a he's... big head, but a little face. He's like the Wall Smoth meme. <laughs> I, yeah, or I should say, he really hates he, being called Little Face too. I actually, I just realized. No, if you if you don't know Little Face, just imagine Charlie Kirk. That's what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, the Dick Tracy cartoon does this weird thing though with all the villains, where they just kind of pair them up. Yeah, so, and it's usually the same pair. Yeah, which maybe they are like actual like pair like like items, you know, they're just oh, like, uh, which is kind of not because they don't have henchmen at all. They just no, it, it's they're just, just sort of hench for each other. The closest yeah. thing to a henchman is the mole. Yeah, I feel like it's like, well, that's these these aren't really crimes they're committing so much as just like, you know, day outings. You know, they're like, oh, yeah. they're like a, an old married couple. They just don't know what to do. So they're like, well, why don't we go, uh, you know, we don't go oyster uh, poaching today. You know, <laughs> like that'd be a lark, um, which is another crime that's committed. Uh, that is by Pruneface and um, his life partner, Itchy, I think. Yeah. Prune, yeah. Pruneface and Itchy are just, yeah, they're just, they have a submarine and they're scooping up oysters. And they're like, is that really stealing? Isn't that just kind of harvesting? this into two episodes so please join us next week for our conclusion about dick tracy the cartoon series <laughs>